to the Friendship Bread Podcast. I'm Alma, and I'm here with Crystal. Hello. We love to have real, honest conversations about life and how the Amish culture that we grew up in shaped our mindsets. This week, we have another very special guest with us. Her name is Sevilla Yoder. And Sevilla, do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I am Sevilla Yoder. I grew up in a Swartantuber Amish community in Wayne County. I left right around four years ago, actually. Wow. Yesterday. Let me see. Yesterday's the 13th, right? 14th. No. Today's the 15th. So the 13th was four and a half years. Oh my goodness. It's been a journey, but it's been good. So how old were you when you left? 17 and a half. 17. That's amazing. Four and a half years. Does it feel that long? In a way. Mm-hmm. In another way, no. Like, yeah. in some ways, it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Like, mm-hmm. that was a whole other life. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I have two lives. Not really, but... I know what you mean. Like, yeah. it was... It feels like so long ago, but then again, like, it also feels like not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you like doing in your free time? You mean when, when I have free time? Yes. I'm always working. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I work like all the time. I love spending time with my friends, um, just hanging out. Not really. We don't really have to be doing anything. Just hang out. I love to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a people person. So I also love like meeting new people, getting to know other people. Yeah. I am wanting to possibly, in the near future, get into some crafts. It's mm-hmm. something that I've always enjoyed. As a little girl, I would play with, like, yarn, make up out of yarn, and stuff like that. But now, like, I would love to get a cricket and play with, I don't know, play with that for, see what that I can do. I think that sounds like fun. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I've always thought it sounds very fun, and I probably would have done it already if it wasn't a little bit expensive. Yeah. For a hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get started with. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that's something that I really think I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DIY, that's awesome. crafts, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, based on what you're saying, it sounds like you're an extrovert. Yes. So, first extrovert on our podcast. Finally. <laughs> Very happy much. for Crystal. So, Very yes, happy for I've Crystal. been the only extrovert on this podcast the entire time. No I never way. think about that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I've always been, yeah, obviously. I don't know. Is that something that changes over time? I don't know. I feel like maybe you can kind of, what could change is like, maybe you're an extrovert that maybe you like to be home or be alone a little more than you used to. Like things Mm -hmm. like that could change or maybe you like to go out more. But I think the base way that you recharge, I don't really see that changing. No. No, I don't either. Maybe it displays itself differently because like growing up in the Amish, you know, as women were – taught and um, socialized to be quiet. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're not allowed to fully express your Mm -hmm. extroverted self. That makes sense. That does make sense. Who knows? But all right. And Sevilla does know what breadcrumbs are. Yes. So we're going to dive into breadcrumbs. Alma, what's your breadcrumb? Thank you, Crystal. Um, My breadcrumb is very silly. But it is that I have gotten my dishes done every day for the past, like, five days. 
and my countertops have been clear. Wow. I know. I feel like... Like, can you find, like, an applause sound and, like, insert it insert. here in the podcast? <laughs> like, insert applause here. Yeah. Tell me you're an adult without telling me you're an adult. Because right? these are the things that make me happy now. <laughs> I love that. I think – I hate doing dishes, so I think that that's wonderful. I'm so yeah. happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm accepting it. <laughs> what about you? What's your break on Crystal? I have been – oh, man, I just realized I can't fully say this without giving things away. I've been working on something exciting for our podcast community, and I got a little frustrated because there's, like, design elements involved, <laughs> and I was feeling like I wasn't – my vision was not coming like coming to life. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling very frustrated, and I – realized that I needed to take a break from it. And so I took a break for a couple of days and I came back to it and things just kind of smoothly came together and started looking the way I wanted them to. Now I'm closer to being done with it than I thought I was going to be. This is a big tease. It is a very big tease. But also to me, I felt like it was showing me some of my personal growth because I tend to be like, no, I have to push through and get it done. Mm. And I was able to be like, no, I need a break from this. And it's going to be okay if I take a break from this. And it's not going to be finished instantly like I wanted it to be. But that's okay. And I can live with that and will. Yeah, like you realize that what you needed was fresh eyes to take a rest Fresh eyes, come back and start again. That's amazing. I'm actually so proud of you because that is a lot of growth for you. Yay. Thank you. I'm clapping quietly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) More applause for you. (laughs) All right. Sevilla, what about you? Um, Like just in the past week? Yeah. Or whatever. My birthday was on Saturday. It was. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's one kind of big thing. I don't know. What did you, you do for week. your birthday? Um, I went out for coffee Saturday morning with Yay. some of my friends. Then I got home around noon, a little afternoon, because we just talked for like three hours at the coffee shop. That's the best. Oh, oh yeah. That I amazing. love that. And then I came home and got some food ready, then had a haystack dinner for some friends and family. Then we sat around wonderful. the fire. Um, after dinner, the guys played cornhole and we just sat around and talked and that sounds like a, a really time. nice day. Yeah, it does. It yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. That's like, that's like my favorite thing to do mm-hmm. in the summertime. And we do it like, so I had mentioned before that I love being around people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like going somewhere as much. I don't mind going somewhere, but I just like having people at my house. Mm-hmm. Like, we are always, our house is always the one where everybody comes to on the weekends. I you don't like hosting. Yeah. I don't remember the last weekend that nobody was there. That we, it was just us all weekend. Wow. Yeah. Like, that sounds like. I have a brother that said. That was me before I had kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, seriously. I, yeah, well, I mean, and that really, it only changed when I had kids because I didn't have any space. We lived in a one bedroom apartment. I see. So that's why it changed. Uh huh. Like, I have one brother that's single, and Emery has a brother that's single. Mm-hmm. So they come all the time because they want food. <laughs> Pretty much. 
So they just come and they're just like oh, yeah. they, Well, they just come. They just stop by. Like most of the time, I don't know when they're coming. They'll just stop <laughs> by hilarious. on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, whatever, and they'll want dinner or they'll bring. Maybe they'll bring burgers or something and ask me to get them ready and they'll grill it. They'll grill them, but it's just like yeah. That's one so thing. Fun. Have we talked about it before? That that's one thing that I miss about the Amish culture. I miss just being able to stop by your friend's house, your aunt's house. Your I don't remember that because I was so young. But I do remember our family stopping by other people's houses with no warning mm-hmm. and just joining for the, and, them for dinner. and no invitation. Yeah, no invitation. Yeah, and now it's like. Well, what do you think they're doing tonight? Well, we should probably text and see. Maybe they probably have plans. They they didn't cook enough food. Like like there's this like stigma. Mm-hmm. Except for with Crystal. She's looking at me. I can stop mm-hmm. by her house anytime. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing that I really want to want to keep alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. For our friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always stop by at our house. Like yeah. that's what I want almost more than anything else. Yeah. I love um, that. it's just to have that to have our house open that if you guys come and we're not at home, you can either leave or whatever. You can build a fire outside, sit around the fire. I mean, don't go mess around in my house, but <laughs> you know, like, like, hey, you can go in and grab some food, but I don't want to come home to a big mess. You know, yeah. like be respectful. Yeah. It's yeah. my house. Be respectful. But go grab some food out of the freezer. Go get some burgers, whatever. Make them on the grill. If we're not home, do your thing. Whatever. I don't mind. That's what we would always do, like, at my grandma's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, very seldom that we would go to grandma's house that she wasn't at home. But sometimes it happened and we just made food and waited for her to come home. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have cell phones. So we couldn't just text her and say, like, right. hey, when are you going to be home? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'd wait a little bit. If she didn't come home within an hour or so, we'd leave again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is making me realize that I definitely still do this to my parents. I'll walk in the house and my mom will be like, oh, hi, I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah. I do that. Like, that's the only time I go home. Like, I don't let my parents know when I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I just stop by one day. Yeah. You did stop by at my house recently, though, when I didn't know you were coming. Oh, yeah. No, I did. Okay. Besides no. you. Okay, but. The only other people I do. I brought it up parents. because it was, like, late at night, and my oh. husband was gone, and I knew he wasn't going to be back for several hours, and all my kids are asleep, or starting to go to sleep, and I'd been having a rough day and I texted Alma and not like 15 minutes later, even I hear my door and I'm like, Oh, please let that be Alma. Cause it is, I, there's nobody supposed <laughs> to be coming to my house right now. And it is dark, a little freaky, but then it was Alma. Yeah. I realized how problematic that was as I was opening Crystal's door. I had been working mm-hmm. just like two minutes from your house. Yeah. And so on the way home, I stopped by and didn't warn you cause it was two minutes. And then as I'm opening the door, I should have told her because it is dark and she's at home alone with her kids. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like what the motivation was for your leaving the Amish and how it went? Sure. Growing up, like going to school, all of that, like I always thought I would leave one day. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my cousins one time, they told their parents, my parents found out I got punished. And then, like, about three years, I want to say right around three years before I left, my older brother left. Okay. My parents did not take it very well, to say the least. Um, It was almost like somebody had died. Mm -hmm. Like, 
yeah, it was just not a good time for any of us. But mostly it was harder on me knowing how my parents are reacting. Mm-hmm. Seeing how my parents are reacting. Yeah. That was worse than the fact that my brother was no longer Amish. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoop-dee-doo, he's still my brother. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Seeing how my parents reacted to that, I promised myself I would never do that to them. Mm-hmm. I would never leave. Like, I would rather give up my happiness than hurt my parents like that. Around three years later, like, I told everybody, my sisters, I talked to my family about it whenever we talked about it. Like, I could never do that to my family. Like, I could never leave like that. And... Anyway, I had about a week before I left, I was sick, or I was pretending to be sick, because I didn't want to go to church. I did that, like, all the time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thankfully, my parents never caught on, or if they did, they just didn't say anything. Just let it go? Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking my mom probably caught on, Mm -hmm. but she just let it go. Yeah. Um, I don't think my, my dad would have let it go. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. I called my brother a couple days before that and asked him to pick me up and take me to Walmart to get a phone. Mm. But even at that point, I had still told myself and I told my brother, I'm not going to leave. Like, I just want a phone so that I don't have to go to the neighbors to call him so that I have contact with him whenever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, Sunday morning comes. He picks me up after my parents leave for church and we go to Walmart to get my phone go back to his house, and he helps me, like, set everything up. And he takes me home, and just as he dropped me off, I saw my parents coming up the road. They didn't see me get out of the vehicle. They didn't see him leave, whatever. But they were very close. Like, we were this close to getting caught. Wow. So I had the phone for a week. And then the following Monday, so not, like, that first Monday, but a week later Monday, Monday morning, I was getting all our laundry together Upstairs, like we had hampers in every bedroom. Mm -hmm. So I was getting all the laundry together and getting ready to go do laundry. But I was playing on my phone for too long and mom got suspicious. She comes upstairs, didn't catch me red-handed. I thought she went back downstairs, but apparently she hadn't. After I went downstairs, she went through my stuff. Mm. Like through my drawers, all of that. I had my phone charger. I had a whole like... Banana box full of non-Amish clothes. Like t-shirts, jeans, boots, all of it. I just used those to dress up at home. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously I wore them to go to Walmart that one time that I had gone. But otherwise, like, I just, when I was home alone, I'd dress up and feel good about myself. <laughs> um, because I loved it. Anyway, it was kind of like a dress up thing for me, basically. Mm-hmm. My mom finds my phone charger under my clothes in one of my drawers. She brings it downstairs to where I was getting ready to do laundry, and she asked me about it. And she didn't know what it was. Hmm. She knew that it was something that I wasn't supposed to be yeah. to have, you know. Um. Anyway, I told her that it's something that my brother left from before he left, because they knew that he had had phones before he left. It's something that he left. I found it in the barn, which... Now, looking back, I don't think she actually believed that because it was a white phone charger. Mm. And he hadn't been home for three years. 
So a white phone charger will not stay nice and white <laughs> and clean like that one was mm-hmm. for so three years. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just not. And I think if she didn't think about it, my dad did. Yeah. Anyway, she told me, um, like she always did, you know, I'm going to have to tell dad about this. We're going to have to talk about this. Like this cannot. She questioned me a couple times, like if I have a cell phone and I told her I don't. I lied to her face. I knew that my dad is not going to be as easy to fool. I'm not going to be able to lie to my dad and he's going to believe me. Mm -hmm. Especially not about something like that. Anyway, that evening, as soon as my mom found my phone charger, I started making arrangements to leave. Because I knew that if dad finds out I have a phone, my punishment is not going to be some simple little punishment. Mm -hmm. It's going to be... By that time... My dad used to punish us by embarrassing us in front of our friends. That was his way of punishment. And I knew that it's not going to be funny. So I started making arrangements to leave, but nobody wanted to give me a place to live because I wasn't 18. Okay. If my parents had reported me, Mm -hmm. whoever picked me up could have gotten into trouble with the law if my parents pressed charges. And so nobody wanted to give me a home. Finally... I didn't have anybody to pick me up that night. Um, after everybody else was in bed that night, my mom called me to come downstairs. And she, I at that time, I didn't know that she had found all my clothes, too. She asked me to go back upstairs and get all my clothes. So I did. Um, brought them all down. First, I just brought some of them because I had them in a couple different places. Just brought from the one place that she had told me she found those. Took those down, and then she was like, now go find the, go bring the others that you have hidden in this other other place. Wow. I know you also have those. So anyway, long story short, she burned all my clothes that night. I told dad that I don't have a cell phone. I don't think he believed me, but he just kind of let it go for that night. Um, And finally, the next morning, I got my mom's sister's phone number. She had left, like, 20 plus years ago. Um, I got her phone number. I called her. My mom had gone to my grandma's that day. I called her as soon as my mom left and asked her if I could come stay at their house. Because at that point, I knew that if I just show up at somebody's house, if they let me stay, the law can't do anything about it. They can't come pick me up. If I show up at their house, they are allowed to give me a home. Mm -hmm. I called my aunt ask her if I can come to their house. And at first she was like, yeah, sure. And then she was like, you know what? I would like, I need to talk to my husband first. And I just wanted to get out of there. I just had to get out of there by that point. Just before I hung up, I told her I'm going to be there when you get home from work and hung up. I didn't give her a chance to say no. I didn't. (laughs) I just hung up. I don't (laughs) remember this, but she remembers it. And she's like, she teases me about it all the time. (laughs) Um, She was like, she did. We had never met before. Oh, she lived 10 minutes from my house and I had never seen her before. So how did you get her phone number? My brother that had left. I texted him. Yeah. I texted him and asked him for my aunt's phone number. I got her phone number and called her. Anyway, I was at her house that afternoon when she got home from work. <laughs> wow. So that's how it went. That's how it went to, yeah. To so leave. you were 17 and a half. <laughs> wow. So then it doesn't seem like anything happened then before your 18th birthday with trying to get you to come home. No, I had left a lot. So the people that I had talked to about um, picking me up, 
They were like, you, if you want to leave before you're 18, you need to actually talk to your parents about it and tell them that you're leaving. Like, you need to just stay strong, confront them, and tell them, this is not what I want. This is not the life I want. I'm leaving and walk out in front of them. Like, have somebody there to pick you up as soon as you're done talking with them and just walk out of the house and leave. And to me, that was just terrifying. Mm-hmm. I was like, there is absolutely no way Yeah, I'm going to be able... Like, I would rather stay and take whatever punishment they have, do whatever it takes. Like, I would rather do anything else than tell my, my parents to their face that I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that I would never leave. They talked me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left them a letter. A lot of people encourage me to, if I'm not going to talk to them, um, at least leave them a note. I left a letter. Like, I'm talking both sides of a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I told them multiple times. I don't remember exactly what I all told them, but I told them multiple times that um, they're not supposed to come look for me. I'm at a place where I'm safe. And they're not supposed to come look for me because if they do, if they force me to come home, I'm just going to leave again. Mm -hmm. My mom, I found out later, my mom wanted to come after me. She wanted to make me come home because she was just like, you know, she's not old enough to be out on her own like that, which now I I can see that now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had a 17-year-old daughter, I would not want her being... Yeah. Away from home like that either. Like, Mm -hmm. I can now, as I get older, I'm starting to see it even more. Um, But my dad told her that he knows me well enough that he knows if I said I'm going to leave again, it's just going to be more heartache for them because they're going to get me to come home. And if I don't want to stay, I'm just going to leave again. Mm -hmm. So they never contacted me until... Hmm. I left my phone number too, but they never contacted me until later I wrote them a letter. I want to say like a couple months later. Okay. I wrote them a letter and I got a really nasty letter back Hmm. from them. So then I wrote them back again and I put scripture in my letter and I told them like, if you can show me through scripture that what I'm doing is wrong, I will come back. Mm-hmm. I told them, I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure out what I what's right for me. And I can't find anything in the Bible that says that I am doing wrong. But if they can show me, I will come home. Mm-hmm. Because I just want to do what's right. That was the last time my dad wrote me back. And that was the last time he ever wrote me a letter. Um, and that was also the last time that I ever... I went home after that one time... And that one time was the last time that I ever really talked to my dad, even though it ended up in an argument, um, until just this last time that I was home a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. I had the best conversation with my dad that I have ever had, with both my parents, actually. Even better than, like, they actually seemed interested in my life. Wow. More than they even ever were when I was still at home. That's awesome. Like... Yeah, it was just, it was so amazing because I have always wanted that, Mm -hmm. but I never felt like, I always felt like my mom loved me, but I never felt loved by my dad. Mm -hmm. I never felt like he was even interested in what I'm doing. He was never even really interested in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that I was supposed to listen to what he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was supposed to let him control me. 
Mm-hmm. And I never, yeah, I let them control me while I was younger, but I never truly just blindly followed like the rest of my siblings did. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. had questions. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And they never had answers for me. Mm-hmm. So that's like the first time I went home, they were asking me about it. And I just told them like, I had so many questions and you never had answers for me. The only answers I ever got was because that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. That's just how, that's how my parents taught me. So that's what I have to teach you. They never had answers for most of the questions that I asked. Or I was told to just not ask questions. Mm-hmm. Just do. That was never good enough for me. Mm-hmm. So when I talked to my dad about that, um, he was basically, it made, I think it made him feel like he failed. Like he wasn't a good enough father. Mm. Even though that's not the way I meant it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how it made him feel. And then he just lashed out. And it, our conversation ended in a huge argument. Um, but the last time I was home, it was absolutely so amazing. That's really good. Yeah, it was, it was so awesome. I never thought that I could actually go home and talk to my dad like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't been home for, they hadn't seen, or I hadn't seen them. They hadn't seen me or heard from me for over a year. So I think like that time away mm-hmm. was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, to like, they were at the point where they actually truly missed me and they wanted to see me. They wanted to see what I'm doing and how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So when you first left and you were at your aunt's house and you said you didn't hear from them till you wrote them a letter Mm -hmm. a month in, was that month, what was that month like? Like just so instantly having a completely different life. It was almost a culture shock Mm -hmm. going from that. Like, I had no idea how to dress. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like, people would ask me, okay, so what do you want to do? Like, we need to find you a job. What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, just find me something to do. And I know that there were quite a few people that, while I had a couple jobs, that I would start something and then I wouldn't like it. So I'd go to something else, kind of. Jumping mm-hmm. around from one job to the other. Um, until I started cleaning about three years ago. It's almost three years now that I've been cleaning houses. Okay. Um, and I had so many people doubt me when I started cleaning houses because of how I had jumped from, which three years, for the first year and a half, I probably went through four different jobs, I want to say. Something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I had a lot of people really doubt me when I started cleaning houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Here but you that, are. Yeah. <laughs> that first month, back to that, um, I'm, I'm really trying to remember. I know that, like, I really just had to spend a lot of time, and I'm still, that's still a journey. It's a working practice, but to really learn to think for myself. Mm-hmm. To find mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. I was always taught, like I was always told, what to say, think, and feel. Yeah, yeah. always. I really had to learn, and I made so many mistakes when I first left. I made so many bad decisions, but I really just had to learn who I am 
and learn to think for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't have somebody saying, eh, are you sure you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Or you can't do that. Like, yeah, I had some people say, are you sure you want to do that? But I never, after I left, I didn't have anybody to say, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Where like all my growing up years, I always had this line that if I crossed that line, I was in trouble. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to do everything I knew that I wouldn't be able to allow, wouldn't be allowed to do at home. Mm-hmm. Which that seems like a pretty normal reaction to me, like kind of a testing of the waters. Like what mm-hmm. actually happens if mm-hmm. I push this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because you're also going through that process of like, like who really is Sevilla? Mm-hmm. Like you're finding yourself outside of all of the boxes you had been put in pre- previously. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel like a lot of times everybody's like, well, be yourself, be true to yourself, be authentic. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of speaking to the, well, who am I? Exactly. Like it took me a couple years. I want to say just even in the last year, maybe year and a half is when I truly started to find myself. Mm-hmm. I would hear people say like, just be yourself. Don't try to be like anybody else. Just mm-hmm. be yourself. Well, I, growing up, I was always trying to be like somebody else. Mm -hmm, I was trying to be this good girl in front of my parents. And then I was trying to be this bad girl in front of my friends. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was always trying to be like somebody else. Mm -hmm. Even down to the point where I remember in school, I would try to write like this girl that could write really well. (laughs) Like, I would practice hours on my handwriting trying to be like her. Mm -hmm. Because I it made me feel like people would accept me. I was always bullied in school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was bullied in church. So, like, I felt like by me trying to be, like, the popular kid, Mm -hmm. the kid that everybody liked, by me trying to be like her, people would accept me. And that only made it worse. Mm -hmm. Because people were like, you don't, like, don't just copy me. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the girl that I was copying would feel like I was just copying her, and it made her not like me. So because she was a popular kid, nobody else liked me. It's oh, hard. Yeah. yeah. That's like a really difficult chain reaction there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um. So like I, when I first left, I had so many people say like, don't try to be like somebody else. Just be yourself. Well, I didn't know who I was. I remember going to sleep at night or like whenever I was by myself or whatever, I'd be like, well, who am I? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know who I was and what I believed. I'd yeah. say I believe this about something, but I just believed it because somebody told me to believe that. Mm-hmm. And you did things because they were what you should do. Yes. Not because... They were what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that's like something that I'm really growing in and learning even just in the last year, year and a half is... Learning who I truly am and what I believe. Yeah, and I I can totally understand that because that seems like something that would come in levels. Mm -hmm. Because as you start finding out who you are and you act Mm -hmm. in that, then it kind of comes in levels and you learn more about Mm -hmm. yourself. I'm I'm also learning that it's okay to not know what you believe. Yeah. When somebody asks you how, like, how do you feel about this subject? What do you, like, what do you believe about this? Mm -hmm. It's okay to say... Honestly, I don't know what I believe about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to look into that more. I want to study that more yeah. and figure out for myself what I believe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. There is really, there is like such a pressure to like always know. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody asks you, well, like, why don't you, be- why don't you know what you believe on that? 
I haven't made my mind up yet. Yeah. And like, like I want to know. Yeah. So if I believe in something, I want to know why. Yeah. Do I believe in that? Is it because I truly, genuinely believe in that? Or is it because my great-great-grandparents said I should believe in that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is it because my best friend believes in that, so I just believe in that because she does? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If somebody asks me, why do you believe in that? I want to be able to know why I believe in mm-hmm. that. I think that you said that extremely well because Tanner, my husband, hasn't ever been Amish. Mm-hmm. And he has observed that ex-Amish people tend to talk a lot about what they believe mm-hmm. and why they believe that. And it's been a phenomenon that he just has observed and he's been like, okay. Then when in us talking about it, I've realized that I think I feel like, especially the ex people that I've been around, we come from a background of being told what to believe Mm -hmm. and being told how we need to live our life, that being able to examine our beliefs and talk in the open about what we believe and having reasons for what we believe is actually like really important for people to process Mm -hmm. through. I feel like it's a having that processing space and actually having reasons for what you believe is so important for ex-Amish people because they have not been able to have that. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a generalization. Yeah. But in general, you don't have reasons for why you, you – exactly what you said. Your great-great-grandpa was Amish and their son was Amish and their son was Amish and now you're Amish. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how the pattern goes in the Amish. Oh, yeah. I think like there's – Especially for me, there's a freedom, a feeling of freedom, being able to express myself, being able to say what I believe, and you mm-hmm. can take it in whatever way you want. Yeah. This is what I believe. Yeah. yeah. Where if you're Amish, you don't really have that. Yeah. You can, Yeah, you can say what you believe, but a lot of the time, especially the Amish that I'm from, they will say that they believe in this one thing. And then when nobody's looking, they're doing that exact thing that they said they don't believe in. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, they don't actually believe in that. They just say that to look good in the church, to mm-hmm. look good to their friends, to their family. Mm-hmm. But then when their friends and family aren't around, they do the exact thing that they say they don't believe in. That that's They believe that that's not okay, mm-hmm. that that's sin or whatever. But they're doing it behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard. And confusing. Mm -hmm. Very confusing. Very confusing. And that's like when coming from that, um, after you're no longer in that, you really, it's also confusing to learn what is okay and what's not. Like what subject is okay. What, Mm -hmm. all of that, like what is, you have to learn what's okay, really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like starting all over, in a way. It is. I I would definitely yeah, say for sure it is. I think I think um, to me it seems like it's probably even amplified because you left when you were a teenager, mm-hmm. and like your teenage years are already so like formative, and so then you're like trying to figure out like what you believe and what you think and how you feel and who you are, mm-hmm. but also like navigating a culture that's completely different than what you grew up in. And 
then there's this thing of like, okay, like I can have my own opinions now, but I don't know what they are. But then there's still, I feel like for a lot of people, there's still that aspect of like, but I also need to be careful about my opinions because like, what if this person doesn't like my opinions and like, maybe it's just me, but I feel like people pleasing. No, that's like, oh my goodness. And so like that becomes also part of it. And it's like a huge thing. And I think I've seen it a lot of times where people like leave the Amish and they're like, oh, I can have my opinions now and be myself. But they kind of just like jump into just a different boat Mm -hmm. of people pleasing. And now they're just pleasing a whole set of different people. And they're still not really being themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very much like that. Just jumping, like, I like how you put that, just jumping into a different boat. Mm-hmm. You're no longer dressing the way you used to. You're no longer going to the same church you used to, all of that. But you just go from that boat into another boat where mm-hmm. everybody think, thinks the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody believes the, th- the yep. same. Like, all of that, it's still in that religious mindset mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of the time and a lot of the time when people leave from the Amish they go from Amish to Mennonite to yep. you know like it's still just another form of religion mm-hmm. and another form of somebody controlling you yeah I, I think yeah. and sometimes too there becomes this thing of like well I jumped from that boat to this boat but the boats are still headed in the same direction. Exactly. Like, yeah, they're not going anywhere differently. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's... Yeah, you yeah. mentioned starting over. And, uh, like, Crystal and I have never first generation left the Amish. So we can't right. identify completely with that. Only from what we've observed. But I just have to think that if you left the Amish, clearly you have decided that there are certain beliefs that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. So then why wouldn't it be like starting over? Because then you're questioning everything. Oh, yeah. Well, if this belief was wrong, then what about this belief? Mm -hmm. You have to examine every belief. And yeah, it's only been 17 years of life, but... Those are really formative years. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then after you leave, you have people of all different... Oh, that's so true. You know, like, people that mean well. Yes. Like, people coming and telling you, like, hey, I I know you don't know, like, what you believe about this, so this is what you should believe. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And you have, like, five different people telling you something different about this same subject. About this same thing that you should believe. And then it's just more confusing. I, wow. I remember oh when I was... Because then you have to take from those five things, plus maybe mm-hmm. you were thinking something completely different. You have to take that mm-hmm. and unpack that. Yeah. And decide what you actually believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so many... I want to say so many of us, coming from my Amish, mm-hmm. um, or the Amish that I come from, I hang out with pretty much all ex-Amish. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I like that. In another way, it can be a little struggle, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many of us come out from that, and we never really, truly figure out what we believe in. Like, mm-hmm. I have so many friends that have been out longer than I have. And they're still, like, they don't know what they actually believe in. Mm-hmm. They believe in the Bible, but they don't believe that Jesus is coming back. They believe in this, but they don't believe in that. They mm-hmm. believe in God, but they don't believe in baptism. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think? Do you think that part of that has to do with like the fact that it feels like it's kind of 
Like it's wrong to question things. Maybe. Like Yeah, maybe. Like it almost feels like it's like a I don't know what word to use, like blasphemy maybe? Is that maybe the right word? Maybe so. Like it's like almost like a sin to question what you were taught Mm -hmm. and to question the Bible. Like even though like you've left and like you're saying I don't believe with these things like to go back and like question everything mm-hmm. and like try to figure out where you stand on each individual thing feels or it's too wrong. much trouble. Not that too. It makes me they kind of wonder go through that. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if the motivations behind different people leaving has an effect on that. That could be. If that you're already examining certain beliefs before you leave mm-hmm. and that's the reason you're leaving or if maybe you're leaving because you want a cell phone and you want to not dress mm-hmm. Amish anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like the motivations could, might have something to do with that. That could make a that. difference. Yeah, definitely. I think that could make a difference. I just also, when you were talking about, like, how you said you have, like, five different people coming and telling mm-hmm. you things. I remember when I was a teenager, we had um, two different friends who they became a part of our friend group because... I can't remember how old both of them were. I know one of them was 16 and they also came from the source and trooper Amish and they moved in with some of our next door neighbors who had also been source and trooper and had left. And so they um, basically were like, Hey, can these guys start hanging out with you and your friend group? And we were mm-hmm. like, sure. And so they started hanging out with us. And at first, like one of them was the most quiet guy mm-hmm. ever. And now he is one of the most talkative people you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone who meets him, like, they remember Simon. Like, and a lot of people know Simon. Because just that's the type of person he is. But, like, when he, like, really, like, found himself, he just, like, became this completely different person. And he really came alive. But I remember one time he w- we were hanging around the fire. And he was just kind of sitting there just being his quiet self. And... I was just like, hey, what's on your mind? And he's like, just wish people would stop telling me what to think. Mm. And, like, I was just like, who's telling you what to think? And he's like, a lot of people. And that was all he said about it. But he was just, like, thinking mm-hmm. about it. And I, it made me think about that. About I think that that's a common thing mm-hmm. that people experience when they leave. Yeah, so I feel like there's a couple different ways that people kind of, I guess, react to that. Mm-hmm. I was always, like I said, told what to say, think, and feel. Mm-hmm. Now I am all about, like, give me all the advice. Tell me, mm-hmm. tell me everything. I still want to make my own decision, but I am very open to advice. Sometimes probably too You're open. You're like, give me information. Yes. Yeah. But then there's other people that are, like, they don't want to accept advice from anybody mm-hmm. because they're afraid these people are going to control them. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So they're just, like, nobody's telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. If I, if, if you would come to this person and tell them, you know, maybe this would be a good idea or something, they would probably do the exact opposite just mm-hmm. to make sure that you are not controlling them. Mm-hmm. But you're controlling them in another way. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though you don't mean to control them, mm-hmm. you're just giving some friendly advice. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to control them, but you are controlling them because they do the exact opposite of what you tell them. They still don't do what they truly want to do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they have Does the that reaction. Make sense? Yeah, they're, they're still allowing themselves to be controlled by their fear of control. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think sense. that people do absolutely react in different ways because different personalities. I mean, there's only so many ways you can react to being controlled your whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's going to vary based on your personality mm-hmm. and what happened. You know, there's so many variances in everyone's story and in everyone's life. So what you described about like being open to the advice that's interesting because then you can kind of weigh I'm trying to think of what I would do and I feel like I would tend to be the person who would just not want to hear the advice. I don't think I'd let it make me do the complete opposite, but I just I wouldn't want to hear it because I'd be I I wouldn't want to have to weigh all of that information. I see. But I can see how I'm not no. sure what Crystal's thinking. I'm, I'm just say thinking, would- like, I could see you doing that. Yeah. I think... Because I think I'd get overwhelmed. I'd be like, well, yeah. what's the right thing to do? And now that I've, like, I've grown in a lot of ways, I can understand that there is no right thing in a lot of areas in life that we think there should be a right thing, and there, there really isn't. But... I think I would have used to get so overwhelmed and like, well, how on earth am I supposed to know what the right thing is? Mm-hmm. I think for me, like, well, and I mean, honestly, no, I don't have to like think of like, what would I do? I think I know what I would, what I do because if people give me advice, I feel even when they're not trying to pressure me, I feel pressured to take their advice, even if I don't want to. And so I kind of get stuck between that, like, like wanting to please that person, but also like wanting to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But then I feel selfish for doing what I want to do. I it's, see. That's like a whole thing. Yeah. But most of the yeah, time, I I would say me. most of the time, it really depends on what the subject is. You know mm-hmm. what we're talking about, whatever. Um, but most of the time, I'm very open for advice. Mm-hmm. But you have no right to be offended if I don't take your advice. Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to – I was going to bring that in because that kind of goes back to what we were talking about not taking things personally several episodes ago. Because if someone is taking it very personally that you're not taking their advice, then it's even harder mm-hmm. to to get advice from them. But oh, yes, I think that absolutely. that's an excellent perspective because you are not – I don't think you're opening yourself up. I don't think you're not having boundaries by mm-hmm. allowing someone to give you advice or give you their perspective, but you are having boundaries in the way that you are saying, I don't have to take the advice. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually amazing because you are open to so many ideas. Mm-hmm. There's so many things ideas out in the world. There's so many perspectives that we really hinder ourselves by being Mm closed-minded. And yeah, I feel like it's a, like, I applaud you for being at that place. And then, you know, we have to remember everyone's seasons are different, so we can give ourselves grace there. Oh, absolutely. You reach different stages at different times. Oh, yeah. And it's been hard for me too, though. Like, it's not just this hasn't just happened overnight. And I still sometimes struggle with that. Mm-hmm. But it's becoming easier for me to just be like, you know, like, I'm very open. Mm-hmm. I'm very open-minded, I would say, but I'm also very open to talk about everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that's another thing that's really been kind of a struggle for me is to be able to just openly talk about subjects that were considered dirty or shameful. Mm -hmm. You just don't talk about that. Yeah. Is to now actually be able to be comfortable and open about those subjects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because all of, like, there's so much stuff that I'm now, for the most part, pretty comfortable with talking about it. That if my mom heard me talking about that, she would probably flip out because it's just not talked about. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. you just don't bring it up. You just don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of on a side note, we've been talking about a lot of stuff in your story of coming out of the Amish. Do you want to share with us one thing that you're thankful for with your Amish background? Sure. The first thing that really comes to mind that I have really, um, I think, always been very grateful for since I'm no longer Amish is the work ethic. Mm -hmm. I was always taught that if you want something, you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. Even being at home growing up, if I wanted food, I had to help prepare for it. Mm -hmm. I had to help take care of the garden. Mm -hmm. I had to help take care of the animals, stuff like that. Like, maybe not always work for money. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've even struggled with a little bit. I feel like I need to be paid for everything I do. Because I worked. I need mm. to somehow I need to get something out of that. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've been trying to not be like that as much. Um, to be able to actually just, I enjoy and I love helping others with and get nothing in return. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I still, like, sometimes in the back of my mind, I still have that mindset of, I'm doing this, so I should get something in return. Mm-hmm. But the work ethic is definitely probably the biggest thing. The other thing is being able to cook and preserve all f- all my food. Like, if it came to that, I don't at this point. But if it came to that, that I had to, I would be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really like, cool Like, take skill. care of my own garden, raise my own food. I would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm really very grateful for. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool skill to have yeah. overall. Mm-hmm. A little bit back to what I, I had said earlier when I first, like when we were first talking about when I left, kind of like that's a whole other lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. Like it almost actually almost feels like I've lived two lives mm-hmm. because when I left, I had to start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I left with the clothes on my back which were Amish clothes, Mm -hmm. and I think, like, maybe around $50. Yeah, because your mom had burned your clothes. Yeah, just the night before, mom burned everything. So I had nothing when I left. And not only, like, just actually physical things, but I had to relearn pretty much everything. Yeah. Like, as far as my mentality and stuff. Mm -hmm. Were you encouraged as an Amish woman as an Amish young woman to work outside of the house at all or were you mainly focused on helping at the house before you left outside of the house yes I used to hate housework so I worked outside of the house but we wouldn't have been allowed to get a job outside of the home okay yeah other than like helping somebody with a new baby or you know helping the neighbors Mm -hmm. um Stuff like that, we would have been allowed to up until the point that we were married. But then after we were married, we did not 
it was not encouraged very seldomly that um, a married woman would get a job outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if, like, let's say there was somebody that didn't have kids right away, they weren't able to have kids or whatever, the woman would quilt. So she would have a non-Amish lady send her quilts. She would quilt them and send them back. And she'd get paid to quilt. So she did have a little bit of an income. And I think they're starting to do that more, but it is not encouraged for a married woman to work outside of the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like outside the, of the house, yes. Take yeah. care of the garden. If they live on a farm, like my parents lived on a farm. I grew up on a farm and I did a lot of the farm work the last couple of years that I was at home. Mm-hmm. So yes, I worked outside of the house, but not necessarily outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of what I was wondering was... Because that's different from, I'm really enjoying having several different perspectives on the podcast because we can compare like Brenda, for instance, shared her experience. She was encouraged to get a job outside of the home, Mm -hmm. but it was a totally different um, order of Amish. Yeah. And so I'm kind of really enjoying these comparisons, like being able to see how varied everyone's experiences are and how valid each experience is. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, coming from that, you're speaking of, like, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, that a woman's whole purpose is to grow up, get married, have babies, work mm-hmm. inside the home. Has that affected, or does it still affect, does that mindset still have a place in your life like that you're working through, or is it something that you've had to overcome? Maybe a little bit in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, if I like, I want to have a family one mm-hmm. day, and if I do have a family, I want to be able to stay at home mm-hmm. with my kids and stuff. Like, that's what I want, but I don't feel like it's something that I want that because of how I grew up. Mm-hmm. I want that because that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I don't feel like that has anything to do with my past. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, I used to want a huge family. Because that's what was expected of me. Mm-hmm. I knew as a little girl that that's what was expected of me. Mm-hmm. Everybody had huge families. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that's what I would want. But now that I actually have the choice to make, I am a lot more like, because of that, because that's what was expected of me, I only want a couple kids. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I was expected to have a dozen kids but now because I can actually make my own decision, I feel like maybe that even has a little bit to do with why I don't want more kids. Mm-hmm. Because I was expected to have a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, I can make my own choice. I only want a couple. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you also have had a chance to really examine what you do want because you, like like you stated, you do still want to be a stay-at-home mom. But you have had time to make that choice mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. And whereas it's not an option otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I, that's obviously a very important Yeah, I feel like if, if somebody, like, some Amish women actually do want to have a big family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. they that's their choice. If yeah. they want to have a big family, like, absolutely. But I also know that there's a lot of women that really don't want a big family. Mm-hmm. But it's what's expected of them, and it's literally what they have to do. It's as long as you can, yeah. As long as you can have kids, you have kids. Mm -hmm. When I used to work for a chiropractor, I 
have literally seen more than one woman come in there and they were crying because they had just found out that they were having baby number eight or nine or something and they were already so overwhelmed mm-hmm. that they were like, I don't know. Like, my sisters are like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know as far as how overwhelmed they are. I know that my second sister, my second oldest sister, has always wanted a big family. But mm-hmm. I think that also has to do kind of like I was. It's what was expected of her. So she just accepted that mm-hmm. and made it her own mm-hmm. um, dream. Mm-hmm. Because she knew that she really didn't have any other choice, so she might as well embrace it. Mm-hmm. But she, I just found out that she's pregnant with her third baby. And her oldest will not be three before her third one is born. Mm-hmm. So she will have three under three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- I would say that's very common coming from, especially your order mm-hmm. of Amish. My A lot more order. common, yeah. yes. Yeah, because they're just expected to have babies all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it's just normal. Yeah. 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 Um, I can't see how, like, my oldest sister had six babies in seven years. Mm. And I just can't see, like, how she can cope. Like, how can you either be pregnant or have a newborn? Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's it really their whole takes, life. Yeah, it takes a lot out of your body. To do that. But then, like, imagine for you, imagine having a baby every year, every year and a half. I, I, I did not, I did not have mine every year, but I mean, mine were, my oldest was not quite six when I had my fourth. Okay. So they're close to but that was also by our choice. Yes. Imagine having kids close together. Mm Mm-hmm. Making all their own, all their clothes, plus mm-hmm. yours and your husband's. Mm-hmm. Cooking three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's expected. You need to feed your husband. Mm-hmm. Canning, preserving food. Yeah. Working on a farm, taking, helping your husband take care of the farm. Mm-hmm. Having a huge garden. Like, all of that. I can't see how that doesn't just get to be too much. I mean, it does for yeah. a lot of women. Yeah. I think so, too. And... I honestly can't see how it wouldn't be yeah i don't know like i was talking to my sister-in-law about that actually um she's still amish she and my brother had been to here in ohio to see us recently and i was talking to her about it i was like you never hear of a swashinshuba amish woman with postpartum depression because pretty much as soon as their baby is you know a couple months old they're pregnant again and she was like well she thinks either they just don't talk about it or they're so busy they don't have the time to feel their emotions and so they, they don't do, have they, they, they don't down. yeah they don't mm-hmm. have time to be depressed yeah mm-hmm. cuz there's there's literally no time like you said they stuff them stuff them down because there's no time to deal with them or process with the, process them mm-hmm. and there's no place to anything. who are they going to process that with yeah you're right. Like, I feel like a lot of it would be, there's no place to talk about it. It's not talked about. Probably a lot of them don't even know what they're experiencing if, if they Probably are experiencing not, yeah. it. Because mm-hmm. there's no words for it. There's not mm-hmm. vocabulary There's for no it. education no. about it. No. How would you know? Well, and I think also even if they realize what they're feeling or 
like, have the time to acknowledge that they're feeling that? Like, are they really going to feel safe to even go to their friends exactly. and say, I am feeling Probably this? Probably not. Because they're going to be like, they're going to judge me. Oh, yeah. They're going to think absolutely. I'm a bad mom. They're going to think I hate my kids. I mean, I think that happens oh, yeah. pretty much anywhere. Oh, it does. My, but, like, yeah. I feel so bad for my younger sister. I was just at home, like I said, um, about a month ago. And I talked for quite a while with my younger sister. And she just has a new boyfriend. And she was like, she thought she had one friend that she could confide in. So she was really struggling with whether she should stay with this guy or like, you know, it was a new relationship, her first relationship. What is, what am I really doing? You know, all of that, mm-hmm. all the questions, because it's also dating is also not really yeah, a normal yeah. topic. Like you yeah. are not taught that you might you know, struggle, or you might question yourself, stuff like that. You're just not taught about all of that. And she was like, I thought I had one friend that I could confide in. And she confided in her friend that she was really not sure about this guy. Not that he had done anything, but it was just her first relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was like, I told this one girl, one of my friends that I thought I could trust. And she ended up telling her boyfriend, her boyfriend told his siblings, Anyway, everybody found out what oh, friends. And no. Oh my goodness. Including her boyfriend. Her boyfriend found out how she was feeling from somebody else, not from her. Mm. Because this spread so fast and they don't live in the same community, so they don't see each other other than every two, sometimes every four weeks. Mm-hmm. So this spread so fast that she didn't even have the chance to talk to him. About how she was feeling mm, before he found out from somebody else. That poor girl. And she was like, she was just telling me, like, I have nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. I, I have no mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they they haven't been dating that long. So there's stuff that she would like to talk to another girl about, another woman about, rather than talking to him about it right away. You yeah. know, like now in my relationship, I'm getting ready to get married. If there's something that I'm struggling with about our relationship... I'll talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely but in, right. in a new relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You're still figuring that other yes, person out. Like absolutely. They, usually it's not like an off the bat right away. They're the I first, feel so safe with that. You. Or they're yeah. the first yeah. person you want to talk to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and she's not at the point yet where she feels comfortable just going to him and talking to him about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, like, they haven't been dating that long. But they also only have a date like every two, four week, two to four mm-hmm. weeks. So they don't even see each other every week. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take them longer to have that connection. I feel like. Yeah, yeah I think so, so too. I would have to agree. And like, I feel like there's so many Amish girls that don't have that. Mm-hmm. I never had that. Mm-hmm. Like, I never had that one girl that I could just trust with everything. So I think a lot of young moms also don't have that. No, I yeah. would definitely agree with that. I feel like when I had little kids, I mean, I still have little kids, but like when my oldest were really little, I didn't feel like I had somewhere that I could go and someone that I could talk to with the things that I was struggling with. Because if I felt like everybody was going to be like, oh, well, she's a bad mom, mm-hmm. or maybe she doesn't like her kids if she's struggling with this, mm-hmm. or like whatever. None of that was true, but that was how I felt. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's when you need someone to step in and be like, um, everything you're experiencing is so normal. Mm-hmm. I experienced it in this way, and here was my experience. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why 
we are so passionate about talking about things that not everyone talks about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because those experiences are so normal and they don't get normalized Mm -hmm. until people start talking about them. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So earlier you said something about topics that don't get talked about. So like... Is there, like, a topic that you were thinking of that you were, like, this really doesn't get talked about? Yes. Sex education mm-hmm. does not get talked about. No, it does at not. At all. In the Amish. Yeah. And that's something that I am very, very passionate about mm-hmm. because of some abuse that I went through. Um, and I feel like, well, I know that the abuse that happened wasn't, it was because it wasn't educated. I wasn't educated. The abuser wasn't educated. Yeah. It's just, it's a subject that I am very, very passionate about. And I would really love to um, be able to have something to where I can maybe reach Amish girls, ex-Amish girls, and educate them about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a subject that now, like, I talk about it very openly. Mm-hmm. We were taught sex is a shameful word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever hearing anybody talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were taught that babies come either God takes his hand and puts them through the roof of our house. <laughs> or the baby truck passed our house. Mom and dad happened to be out by the road and they got a baby. Wow. That's how I was always told. Like, obviously, as I got older... I knew that that's not true. But as a young kid, that's what I was told. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember us looking for holes in the roof of our house Mm -hmm. where God could have put his hand down and given mom and dad a baby. Wow. It's kind of cute. Like, you look at it and you're like, oh, there's a little kid who is waiting for a baby. But at the same time, it is so problematic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. I had a source and trooper girl once who, again, like at the chiropractor office, I have worked with a lot of them and her mom was hugely pregnant. Like there was no missing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I asked her not thinking, I said, are the kids excited? And she's like, oh, well, I mean, some of them probably know, but they don't know. Like they'll just find out once the baby is born. And I, I think it was the same day I was working or helping her daughter with something and we were alone and she said, yeah, mom's going to have a baby, but she doesn't know that I know, Mm -hmm. but I know that she's going to have a baby. I know what she looks like when she's going to have a baby. And like, I don't know, just the way she said it. And like, I don't know, it was just, I was just kind of like, it makes you wonder, does she know any of the processes I really doubted it. Not very only, likely. Not yeah. only if, not very if they don't even tell their kids that there's a baby coming. Yes. Yeah. Like. Yeah. How are they? My Even after I was dating age, mm-hmm. my mom never talked to me about that. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't. And so you have a lot of young women getting married and not even fully understanding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how Absolutely. their body works. Absolutely. And that is very problematic because... And it's seen as shameful. Yeah. yeah. When a woman is pregnant and she starts showing, she's ashamed to be seen in public. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing from God. 
See, that's something like, I've never understood is they're like, okay, like God told us to like be fruitful and multiply the earth. Mm-hmm. And like, so we should have as many kids as we can. If that's a blessing that God gave you, why are you not talking yeah. about it? Yes. And so, but why is it shameful then to be pregnant if that's a blessing from God? Well, it's, it's like, that you it's were like a intimate. I know, but it's like a um, contradiction. Yeah, it is. It's that a huge happens contradiction. In the Amish is like, mm-hmm. like, don't, like, and I mean, obviously, not all of them. I think it's mostly the lower orders that feel like it's a like because I feel like in my family, like that are old order and stuff. Like, it's not a shameful thing to be pregnant. In fact, yeah. like it's a very like celebrated thing. Oh yeah, and that's so, a lot. Like, Indi- I think that changes some. But in this Western Super Amish, it is still very shameful. Yeah, and this is kind of generalizing, like very much generalizing, but it would just be so helpful overall for sex education to be a thing because you would avoid so many situations oh, yes. mm-hmm. um, from abuse that you were talking about. Maybe not com- completely avoid because you can't, you can't completely avoid everyone's free will, like, Mm-hmm. They do have choices, and sometimes people make bad choices. But I feel like if girls knew about their body and they mm-hmm. knew how to defend themselves, that would be a game changer. Mm-hmm. That and if guys were taught as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. If I feel like they both need to be taught. Like, they, yes, they still have their own free will. Yeah. They yeah. still have that choice to make. But if – yeah – Along with that education, there also comes the teaching of there are certain things that we do not do mm-hmm. that are not. There are things that you don't have to allow someone to do either. Like, like that's yeah, part of that. Both yeah, like, and. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then going into motherhood, knowing what to expect from your body. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Oh, As someone who has attended births for women who don't know what's happening, it's a very fearful process if you have no idea why your body's in the pain it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about that? Not really. Just, yeah. That's something that's been really heavy on my heart mm-hmm. um, that I want to be able to, whether that is have a podcast or, which I don't know, like, how many Amish or ex-Amish, like, girls that just left. I'm talking mm-hmm. more about, like, the younger generation mm-hmm. um, as they leave so that they know how to deal with. I looked for – so I um, – when I first left, I was looking for something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I was looking for healing. Mm-hmm. I was looking for peace. Mm-hmm. I felt like the most dirty, disgusting creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking for something to take that away. I looked for that in all the wrong places, mm-hmm. meaning all the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to have something that I can somehow reach young girls when they are just leaving or even before they leave where I can educate them mm-hmm. on that subject, where I can help them figure out and find out who they are and what they're looking for rather mm-hmm. than looking for it in guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first guy yeah. that looked at me, the first guy that told me I'm beautiful – I was going to marry him for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I had somebody else. Like, I always... Oh my gosh, it was so terrible. And I want to be able to have something where I can help young girls 
hopefully help them not make the mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, and also help them if they went through what I did, have something that I can possibly help them on their journey towards healing mm-hmm. so that they can find healing and peace sooner and easier than I did. Well, and also to tell them about like self-worth. Yes. And like tell them that they're valuable and beautiful and worthy and just like all of those other things that like so many girls are never told. Oh, absolutely. Like that's something that I would just like, that's actually another thing that I would just love to like get into is, I don't know, like I feel like when they just leave the Amish or while they're still Amish, they don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the road I want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to be open to ideas on what I could do, like how I could reach them more mm-hmm. easier. I don't know. Yeah, because as you're sharing, it's something you're passionate about. It's something you've experienced. You've experienced mm-hmm. going through the the low self worth and the low self esteem. If you don't love yourself, you're not, you're never going to be able to truly love somebody else. And I used to like really struggle with that with like, oh my gosh, I hated myself with everything in me. I hated everything about me. Mm -hmm. I hated my voice, my smile, my body, everything. I didn't smile in pictures because I didn't like how I looked when I smiled, but then I also didn't like how I looked without a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. And then, like, I remember one time we were doing, like, I don't know, me and some of my friends were doing, like, a Bible study thing. Mm -hmm. And we were reading where it says to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. It just really came to me right then, like, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, if I'm supposed to love my friends as I love myself, Mm -hmm. I would never tell my friends you're ugly. Yeah, I would never tell my friends, your smile looks horrible, mm-hmm. or you're too fat, or whatever it is. Like, I would never. Why am I telling myself all of that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm not loving myself, how can I love somebody else? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was really, like, I don't know, really a big thing for me when I finally started to actually learn to love myself. Yeah. There's still things that I'd change if I could, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we all have those things. Do you think that that was, like, one of the biggest mindsets that you had to, like, work through after you left the Amish? Or do you think there was – was there something else that was, like – Yes. And now, like, I've I've experienced that, and now I'm coming out on the other side. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have my struggles, whatever. And I think that's something that I'll probably always struggle with in the back of my mind. I don't know. But – I'm coming out on the other side of that now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to where I am starting to see that if what I went through can help somebody else, if my story can help somebody else, it'll all be worth it. Yeah. Which shows a lot of strength. Yes. Yeah. It's been a journey. I've had my share of ups and downs, but yeah. It's been incredible listening to you talk about it. I feel like there's so much we didn't even get to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, We're going to have like... to do the same thing as with Brenda's. We're just going to have to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
in wrapping this conversation up, the last question we want to ask you is, what is something that you think every woman should know? That's a good question. Kind of what we were talking about just a little earlier. She is beautiful and she is worthy. She's valuable. And like every woman is worth Especially, like, coming from the background that I'm from, mm-hmm. I was always told that I'm too much. Mm-hmm. Kind of like your your episodes earlier that you had talked about taking up too much space. Mm-hmm. I resonated with that so much. And I just want every woman to know that her voice matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her opinion matters. She does not take up too much space. I love that. I love that, I too. I love that. That episode really um, st- stood out to me as well because it really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Because I was always told, like, I'm too much, I'm too loud, I'm too outgoing, all of that. And that's another thing that I really had to learn who I am. Mm-hmm. Am I this girl that just sits in the back and listens? Mm-hmm. Like I was supposed to? Or am I actually the girl that... Am I just loud because I want to be rebellious, basically? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Or am I actually an outgoing happy person. Yeah, it's it's like the personhood of women isn't valued. They're yes. not allowed their own individual personhood outside of you are a woman, you are a wife, you have children, and you are quiet and meek, and you have no personhood mm-hmm. outside of that. Mm-hmm. That's just so, who you are. Yeah. I, I love that. I think you said that very well. Yeah, I think so too. Well, not to leave a joke out of the episode, so... <gasps> Yeah, that happened last time. I forgot my joke last episode. Did you even catch it? Yeah, I thought about it. Oh, okay. Thought I got away with it. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to let this episode pass by without one. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What did the ocean say to the sailboat? It better not be nothing. It just waved. That is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I've always heard that one in context of what did the ocean say to the beach. Mm, yeah, but, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But you still figured it out. I did, yeah. So if it was a riddle, it was not a hard riddle. <laughs> but thank you so much, Sevilla, for joining us for this episode. I mean, I think I speak for both Alma and I when I say that we've really enjoyed this conversation and yes. getting to see a little bit inside of like what your life was like and like leaving and just your experience and yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to your perspective on that. Yeah, yeah, we're so. really appreciative of your bravery, of being willing to talk about and share your story. It's hard being vulnerable. So yeah. thank you I, so I much. I really loved it. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm starting to share more um, on my Instagram. And yeah, I love to share my story. And yeah, sometimes it's not the easiest, but mm-hmm. I feel like it still needs to be shared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you mind telling everyone where they can find you on Instagram? Sure. Um, 21 Boss Babe. I need to change that name. Like, <laughs> I need to change that name. And I need to come up with a good one. But for now, it's at 21 Boss Babe yes. on Instagram. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. And we will also, we'll tag, tag her in something. Oh, so, yeah. That's yeah. true. We'll so, probably tag her in the if, episode reel. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to know where to find Sevilla you and you know our Instagram our Instagram is at you can find us at the friendship bread on both Instagram and Facebook and we will tag Sevilla 
and some things there so that you can find her. If you are listening to this on Apple podcast and want to leave us a review, that would be immensely helpful that, um, having reviews really helps get this podcast in front of more people. So another way you can do that is to share this episode with your friends. So if you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends about it, share it on your stories or social media or whatever you, wherever you do. Your preferred method. (laughs) Yeah. Wherever you do your friendships. Thank you for joining us for this conversation, and we hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of the Friendship Bread Podcast. Bye! Bye.